Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is May 13th. It's actually Friday the 13th, so if you're superstitious, watch out. I'm personally just a little stitious, so I think we'll be okay today. <laughs> today we finally have my absolute favorite story from the book of Numbers, possibly my favorite story from the Old Testament. And I know I say things like that a lot, but I absolutely love this story and the principles that we can learn inside of this story. I'm talking about the story of Moses and the brass serpent. So as we enter into Numbers chapter 21, Aaron has passed away. The children of Israel are upset. They've been wandering. I know that we're just kind of turning pages and it's not seeming like a long time, but we've had several important deaths. We've had most likely Moses's wife. We've had his mom. Now we have Aaron. So the people are getting older. Moses is getting older. Time is passing on and they still aren't in the promised land. And the people, the children of Israel, again, are complaining. They're complaining against God. They're complaining against Moses. And so let's take a look at what happens here. Starting in verse five, it says, and the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore, have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? So they're using that same logic again, that things were so much better in Egypt and you just brought us out here to die. For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Now, I can't help but roll my eyes a little bit here because they say, well, there's no bread and there's no water. Literally, God is making it rain bread from heaven and he is bringing water out of a rock. Not once on this journey has he let their needs go by the wayside. He has provided for them every single step. And here they're complaining and acting as if he hasn't done that. So you can understand why the frustration from the Lord here. Verse six, it says, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much of the people of Israel died. Now, an interesting odd side note, and I don't really understand completely what it means, is that the word fiery there is in Hebrew, the word seraph, which is a heavenly being. So whether these are heavenly messengers come to destroy the children of Israel, whether they're actual literal fiery serpents, most likely that fiery comes from the burning sensation from the poisonous serpents. But you can do what you want with that Hebrew translation of seraph. I personally don't completely understand what that means. And then it says, therefore, the people came unto Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Now, there are a couple of really interesting things here in this verse. First, I'm super grateful to see some humility and some repentance from the children of Israel. But I have to wonder here, most of the adults were with Moses when the children of Israel were freed from Egypt, meaning most of the adults here in this group were there to witness the 10 plagues in Egypt. You can't help but wonder or think that the children of Israel were seeing these poisonous serpents going around killing people and not remembering those plagues. It must have seemed eerily similar for them. And the interesting thing is, is that every time there was one of those plagues and the Pharaoh's magicians couldn't get rid of it, the Pharaoh would go to Moses and he would feign repentance and he would say, oh, well, I'll change and 
if you just get rid of these things, then I'll let the children of Israel go free and I'll let them worship. And so he kind of faked this repentance and Moses would do it every single time. He would go before the Lord, he would intervene and the Lord would remove the plague. And so you have to wonder a little bit how sincere this repentance is with the children of Israel, or if honestly they just remembered, hey, remember the plagues of the frogs and the lice and all the miserable things in Egypt? Well, every time Pharaoh went to Moses and Moses went to the Lord, it got rid of him. So let's do that. Verse eight, it says, and the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, this story that we love and that we revere, and honestly is probably one of those stories that most people remember from the Old Testament, is really only five or six verses here in the Book of Numbers. Now, the Book of Mormon is going to clarify things and it's going to give us more information and more perspective. But I think it's so interesting how powerful this story is, even though it's so short. So the children of Israel, they're being bitten by these poisonous snakes. They go to Moses. The Lord tells Moses to attach a brass serpent to a pole and then raise up that pole. And if the children of Israel would look, they would live. Now, something that I think is really interesting here is that if we're not careful, we might take a look at this story and we might say, wow, that pole, that brass serpent, what a magical thing, what an incredible thing. And we might start looking at the object as being the thing that healed the children of Israel. But my friends, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in magic objects. We don't believe even in spiritual objects with power to heal. And so I think it's important that we realize it wasn't the pole and it wasn't the brass serpent that was healing the children of Israel. It was the Lord who was healing the children of Israel. However, that pole and that brass serpent allowed the children of Israel to exercise faith, to do something to show that they believed. And I absolutely love this because my husband and I have been talking about this a lot lately about how the little acts of faith that we've done in our lives have been the thing that has changed us. In fact, we were talking to some friends a while back about our missions and how our missions changed us. And when we got home, my husband said, you know, I shouldn't say it that way because it wasn't my mission that changed me. It was the small acts of faith on my mission that changed me. It was that small act of faith of putting the papers in, that small act of faith of getting on a plane, the small act of faith of opening my mouth, all those acts of faith that go into a mission, that's what changed he and I. And my friends, it's the same thing in our lives. It's the small acts of faith, the things that we do day in and day out that show that we believe, that open the windows of heaven and allow our Father in heaven to bless us in miraculous ways. Elder Renland once said that small acts of faith are required to ignite God's blessings. Now, I think that that is so important for us to understand that God is consistently inviting us to do small things so that he can ignite the blessings in our lives and so that he can change our hearts and make us mighty in faith. However, I think it's also really important that we don't view small acts of faith as a transactional thing between us and God. And by that, I mean, it's important that we don't say, okay, well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then the Lord is going to do X, Y, and Z 
for me. And the reason is, first of all, it kind of cheapens our faith when we are only doing it for an outcome or for a blessing. But the other reason, and I think it's just as important or maybe even more important, is that we don't get to choose God's blessings for us. Oftentimes when we view this as a transactional thing, I do this and then God does this, we choose the blessing for ourselves. But our Father in heaven who loves us and who knows the beginning from the end knows what's best for us, not just what we want. And so we act in faith, we do X, Y, and Z, and then God blesses us in the way that he sees right and he sees fit. And if we have viewed our acts of faith as being something transactional, then our faith could be shaken when God blesses us with what we need rather than with what we want. Elder Anderson once said, as we act in faith, we often find the blessings from the Lord are different than we expected, but much better than we imagined. My friends, I testify that our Father in heaven is consistently inviting us to act in faith, and he does that so that we can change. He does that so we can grow. He does that so that he can make us mighty in faith. And it is my testimony that even if that were the only blessing that came from small acts of faith, becoming mighty in our faith is worth every act we might do. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 